This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome to the TriTag Games podcast, where we explore the strange worlds of the TriTag Games and some of their other games that they've gotten from other companies, like Stellar Games. Today's question is the hypothesis that no matter what anybody else at the table suggests, if another player says, hey, let's do this, always say yes. Is this a good idea or not? Yeah, I think so. I'll tell you what. You can make it painful for them if it's like a crazy idea, but game does get kind of boring at times. They even start metagaming saying, you know, well, the, the game master's putting this out there, but he doesn't want to take it because I know how he is, and, and, I, and I know he, he'll do this or that. I really think it, it makes for a really good adventure when somebody just does something completely off the wall. I mean, I don't know how each individual game goes. I mean, if, if you have a game master who's who's very critical on everything that you do and, and you know, their, their repercussions will be had for not doing the right thing, probably should get another game master. But if you, if you like that kind of gaming, I would say no. But for, I think for the majority, I would say yes. Because most game masters, you know, they're not looking to punish the characters. They're looking to have a good time. And a lot of times, by doing something crazy... You, you allow them to go in a direction that they hadn't planned on, and you get to test their ability to, to, to wing it. I would say that some of the best games that we've had is when somebody has just gone completely off the chain and done something crazy. Yeah. I mean, I've played games. Uh, actually, we just actually last week, my gaming group, we just uh, played a game of Fiasco, where that is actually part of the premise that there's no actually no GM at all. It's just all the players, and one person gets the talking stick, so to speak, and gets to dictate what happens next. So yeah, you will get some off the wall stuff happening at that point. I've heard uh, played other games where the players can, for cost of a couple of hero points, dictate what what's going to happen next in the scene. There's various games like that, wushu's like that. You dictate what you're going to say, what's happening. Now, it has to be within limits of your character, but you can still get some off-the-wall stuff happening at that point. And a good GM will just simply roll with it and try to figure out what happens at that point. It's down to whatever is done. You're playing in modern-day Earth, and some guy says, let's go to Vietnam and start World War III. You know, well, okay, let's try and see what happens at that point. The biggest problem I've seen in most of the games that I've GM is analysis paralysis. Yeah, where literally I've seen an entire four-hour to six-hour game session used up by people weighing their options. And I'm not even going to say that they go with the original one, which would really support my premise here. They don't always do that. But I'm saying is that a lot of times games are so chaotic. Game systems themselves have so much leeway in what happens with the die rolls or whatever that the the best plans you have are not going to survive more than a round or two anyways. So if somebody throws out an idea that is interesting, I say go for it. Try to make it work because if it's fun to do, then even if you don't succeed to the level in which you were hoping, 
you're still going to have a good time doing it. Plus, if, if you don't go way out of line, like out of character line, like I, I wouldn't suggest going out of character and doing stuff. Like if you have a character who's very conservative, I wouldn't suggest doing something crazy because it's just I don't like when people play out of character. Unless, of course, it's in his character to do something crazy once in a while. Well, I'm not saying that you have to do crazy. I'm just simply saying that if somebody else s- says, I suggest this course of action, I'm excited about it, I want my character to do this, then I think you should support that character by doing it. Right. If you can. One of the things you do by doing that is a lot of times you'll be more successful because a great many game masters, they have to build an adventure based around your characters or otherwise, you know, it's, it's not going to go well. I mean, they don't have to make it easy on you, but they have to kind of base it around the team that's going to be involved in it. You do something that is different. You shake them up as well and keep them on their toes so that it makes it more fun for the game master on top of everything else because now he's having to keep up with you instead of always you having to keep up with him. It can lead to your advantage sometimes. For example, your team is going down the street and one of the guys says, I'm going to go climb up on the roof and look around, you know, just out of the blue. That's when the game master's like, you know, you see something that, you know, you hadn't considered that you would see. And, and it could lead to your team being successful where they wouldn't have normally because that was kind of goofy that he did that. Because for whatever reason, it wasn't conducive to do that. You just go up on someone else's roof. Yeah. I did that in a Savage Worlds game where I was with a bunch of people and we were all going to go and attack some big squadron of bad guys. And I said that. I said, I'm going to climb up on the roof. And the GM went with it. He didn't complain about it. And then because I was on the roof, I did one of those running off the edge of the roofs, leaping over the first three ranks of soldiers and brought my attack directly to the, the main bad guys. Right. And, of course, they made the rolls, which made that successful. We were playing you know, characters who actually could pull off a successful move like that. I could have got into a big slugfest, which has been the other way. Which we run up to the guys in front, we spend a couple of rounds mowing them down, working our way through, getting peppered. But instead, literally the, the combat was over in one round. My character took out the main bad guy. Everybody just kind of went, oh, I guess we're done here. <laughs> I was playing a swashbuckling Zero knockoff. That we were fighting on the top of a train, and I decided I got my bullwhip, so I'm going to use my bullwhip to grab a hold of uh, uh, of one of the bad guys, and then use him as a fulcrum to swing around behind them and maybe pull them off the train at the same time. Right, it was a trick because otherwise, if I didn't do it right, we'd both be off the train. If I really screwed up, uh, we both be off. I'd be the one off the train. Uh, I, I succeeded, but just barely. I had right. to spend a penny to reroll the. To re-roll that one, but uh, yeah, I pulled off a thing that the GM actually hadn't considered me doing. Right. Well, we're really going off topic here, John, because the yeah. question is about us supporting somebody else's great idea. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Not not us coming up with a great idea and and <laughs> and hoping the GM will let us do it. So, what are impediments to this being successful? To this working? Well, depending on how outlandish it is, you may end up with the GM sitting there going. Okay, uh, give me a minute. I'm going to have to work out what, what the heck is going on. That minute turns into 15, turns into a half an hour as he tries to figure out what to do next because you've just now taken adventure off. And, you know, he takes his map, crumples it up, and throws it away because it's 
you know, what you're about to do is not going to involve anything he had planned for the night. So your great idea that you want everybody to support has to still support the overall arc that you're on, the overall plot yeah. that you're engaged in. You can't really go totally off the reservation without everybody having to say, well, I guess we're going to play a different adventure tonight. So you're the game master, and you, you got your team, and you know the, the premise of the, of the adventure you're going to run that night, they're going to get a mission from the president to go do something, and one of the guys says, I want to shoot the president. That could be a problem. Right. You'd have to say, guess what, GM? It turns out we're all Russian moles. <laughs> now that's the mission. We're taking out the entire chief of staff. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. and at which point, you're, what, I guess you're trying to battle your way out of the White House at that point. You know what I would tell them? I would say, okay, guys, let's go play PlayStation for a while. Next week we'll get together, and that's the adventure I'll run. Right. I'm not going to make up something like that on the spot. Yeah, and you probably can't. You don't want to be unfair to the GM when you do this, okay? Yeah. But I'm saying is that you know, if you have a whole bunch of people just give you the stony look when you make that suggestion, then they're not supporting this idea of saying yes when someone else comes up with a, an exciting thing to do. Right. And that's okay if, if they're already invested in the story arc, in which case, all right, you need to come up with another exciting thing to do that they all can get behind. That sort of thing, I have to work out with the GM beforehand. Uh, you lose the spontaneity then. Uh, you, okay, you and the GM lose spontaneity. The rest of the players, you're only going, what? He did what? He pulled a gun out and shot the president? No, no, I, I'm not saying that. I, that's torpedoing the situation. I'm, yeah. You know, I, that kind of brings up my second issue, and that's trust. Ah. Okay. I, if the players don't trust each other, and especially if they don't trust each other's judgment in their role playing, never mind the characters. There's also character trust issues. Someone goes and says, "I think we should go do this," and they're like five minutes into learning the new system, and it's totally unsupported by the system what they want to do. Well. Okay, maybe that you know you need to take that person aside and say we'd love to do that, except that you can't in this system. So, I think that sometimes inexperience and trust can undermine this. Bruce, I'll put one caveat on my answer earlier. Yeah. Is that if it's a new gamer, right. I'm not going to say yes all the time because I have found that new gamers don't have enough experience to know what was acceptable going off in a, in a weird direction. And what's just them just doing whatever they think they're supposed to be able to do. Because I've had a lot of new gamers, they try to control everything. They try to be the game master. So if it's a new gamer, probably not going to let them just do whatever. But I don't generally play with brand new gamers that often. Not that I don't want to, it just doesn't happen. But if you can say yes to that new gamer, that's going to make that new gamer really invested in the game. Yeah, but it's going to have to be a situation where he doesn't get the feeling that he can control everything. Okay, if you have that problem, like I say, that's a trust issue, okay? And, mm -hmm. and I think that trust needs to be developed in a group. It may take a few sessions or whatever, but once that is developed, then I think we can do this more. But I also see this as a great way of getting people who are new to a game, especially new to a game system, to really commit themselves to it, is by letting them know that if they come up with an exciting idea that everyone's going to support it, which is the original thing that made me think about how can people get other people excited about playing a new game. Our game society, our game culture, no matter what anyone says, I, I know it's less than it used to be. 
I don't want to be one of those guys who ends up, you know, being with a whole bunch of guys, uh, uh, elderly guys my own age, sitting around playing a, a game that nobody else has ever heard of anymore because nobody was able to invest new players into the game or into a game system. What's that, Sonny? I was just thinking about how do you do it? How do you get people excited about your game outside of the, just the basic premise of the game? And that's when I thought, well, maybe if no matter what they say, as long as it's possible, as long as it's, it doesn't totally torpedo the campaign that you're in, say yes. That does work better with certain game systems as well. Wushu is, is very good for description for coming up with wild ideas because the way the system's designed, yeah, you can do it. I mean, literally, Wushu says yes every time you want to do something weird or strange. And it's up to the other people now to play off of whatever you just did and take that as a leap as a diving board to go off and keep on keeping them rolling at that point. Wushu? Wushu. That's a game? It's a game system. The way it works is that you describe what's what's happening. Which means if you say, I shoot down six guys with my machine gun, you shoot down six guys with machine gun. If you're doing a four-color game, you can say, I pick up the building and throw it at the other guy. You pick up the building and throw it at the other guy. How well you do that depends on your subsequent die roll. But you can always do whatever you want to do. So some things that can really make this work better is if there is a mechanic yeah. in the game system that allows yeah. players to change the game or mm -hmm. add new elements in support of their new uh, idea. In Fringeworthy, in my campaigns, I've always given each character at the beginning of a mission an equipment token, which was to say that you're going along and you need a piece of equipment and you didn't write it down and you didn't talk about that you were going to bring it, but it would really make a difference or it lets you go in a direction that you, you know, hadn't thought about doing before, but it would be really cool to do. You say, oh yeah, I didn't mention this, but it's, you know, it's packed inside the, uh, the vehicle or I have it in my backpack and you hand your token over to the GM and the GM says, okay, well, good thing you have that. Now you can do that. And the rest of the players are like, oh, okay. And the other characters can also throw in their tokens also in support of that. Is there GM veto power in this? If it's something really egregious, like he says, oh, by the way, we have a military-grade fuel air explosive on a trailer behind, behind the Humvee. Would you say, no, keep your token for that, you know, at, at that point? Because that's something that would really overbalance a game because uh, we're talking a poor man's atomic bomb at that point. I would say yeah. that that would, A, would depend upon the trust, and B, mm -hmm. I think it would be the GM saying, well, is this going to simplify the adventure so much that it's going to be over and there won't be yeah. anything left to do? Now, if everyone's looking for a way out of the adventure, that sounds like a good idea. But if, in fact, is you know they're coming to a small town that has a uh, let's say a, 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 a some kind of a warlord who's ruling over it, and your idea is to basically take out the warlord and the town at the same time, in a, in one blow, so to speak, then okay, yeah, you succeeded. Now it's time to go to a new adventure. When you do that, it supports the idea that it's appropriate in the sense that it'll, it still allows you to continue yeah. on whatever it is that you're doing uh, without you know, to, uh, making it impossible to go in that direction anymore. Unless, of course, that's okay. I mean, it may be that it says, okay, we just blew up the town. Boy, have we got a bad reputation. 
Maybe we need to leave this area and go somewhere else. I was going to say, Bruce, you pointed out something that's really good too, is that you can allow them to do any, you know, whatever they want. You can say yes, but there are times when you can remind them, I'm going to say yes, it's fine, but there will be repercussions. There should always be repercussions when you do things like that. Right. You know, we're not talking about nerfing them. We're not talking about you know the GM versus the player. It's just there was the law of unintended consequences that should always be in effect in any game. In the fringeworthy games that I've run, there are always unexpected things happening because of what the players do. I'm perfectly fine usually for characters to do things as long as they fall still within the spirit of the game. For example, Bureau 13 has a, a list of ethics. And as long as you, what you suggest isn't violating any of the ethics that, you're, that you have to support, then I'm okay with it. But it's a hierarchy. As an example, support integrity of the U.S. government. If that's the mission, well, then breaking laws is okay. Putting people under duress, even torturing them may be okay. Crashing police cars off the side, off the side of bridges may be okay now. And so when someone has a crazy eye, you say, no, you can't do that. We're good guys, and that's a police officer. Well, yeah, but the mission is this. They're trying to stop yeah. us, and, and if they stop us, the mission ends. So we got to do that. And, and that's where you say, yes, I agree. We got to do that. But we got to deal with the consequences when that happens. One thought that comes to my mind is conflict. So, like you said, one player says, let's just kill the sheriff and his deputies and, and rescue this person. You know, and the other guy goes, no, they're duly appointed officers of law. We got to find some other way of getting this person away from them. And I would try to say, do this in character. Your characters are actually having a difference of opinion. This is actually as good role playing. Hey, let's have a debate. Which way you know, would, would the team go? kill duly appointed officers of the law or find some other way of rescuing this one person in, in the hands of the of the uh, police. Still lets one person come up with a wild idea, but now allows the other players to work off of that and find some way to modify it so the person can have his great time of shooting guns and stuff like that and not and maybe not maybe kill duly appointed officers of the law. Do some kind of a A-team type maneuver where the car gets blown up, but the people inside are okay. Yeah. A shape charge that's aimed sideways to blow the tires out. Another impediment that I saw, you had this great idea, but it totally undermines what somebody else is trying to do. Another player, not, not a, an NPC. The character that is trying to make some kind of a contact at the uh, Royal Ball, and... He's trying to work his way through a bunch of functionaries to get to the person. You say, I think I should assassinate the leader of an enemy country because he has diplomatic immunity, but I'm not a diplomat. I'll solve everybody's problems and throw his country into chaos due to succession wars and be a great hero, even if never recognized as such, by doing that. That's a great idea, except for the fact is that you're torpedoing the other player who's trying to make an important contact at that same location. So you're at odds. Your idea should not be stealing spotlight away from the other players, especially other players who haven't been getting any spotlight. Well, how do you draw the line? How do you pick sides? And I would say initially the first rule of thumb, and these are always going to be rules of thumb on this kind of thing, would be that Whoever started or whoever initiated some task, anyone trying to torpedo him in the group, I would tend to side against them. Because, I mean, it's like, well, this guy took initiative to do this thing. You guys are trying to undermine his efforts in order to avoid a, a big conflict in the group. 
I'm not just going to allow it. Then again, I can't say you can't do it because then that makes me a bad game master if your character really wants to do that. But I might say, normally where I would just let you do something like this, it's not going to be easy. I'm going to make you work for it. I was just thinking more along the lines of sometimes this is an unintended consequence where you don't realize that this player is busy trying to do that. And so you're just basically trying to follow your own goals and all of a sudden you find yourself in conflict. That would be a time where maybe you can't say yes to what the other guy, or maybe there's some, you can say, okay, let's do yours, but let's do it late an hour from now and give me a time, uh, an hour to go and get my, my act together with this guy and then we can go for it. There's always the possibility of saying, it's a great idea, let's do it a little later. This was in Spirit of the Century. And there's actually an entire section on social conflict. And one guy was busy trying to browbeat Al Capone in a social function. It was absolutely miserable. And I'm sitting there with a character who's designed to do this sort of thing. But you know, I, I looked at the GM and he looked at me and said, you can come in anytime you want to. And I said, no, I'll see how well this guy does before I do that. So I let the guy have his spotlight. Unfortunately, he was getting creamed by Al Capone socially up until the point where I just said, OK, that's that's enough. I don't want this guy to be taken out of this scenario for, by Al Capone being a bear right. schmoozer. So I walked in and then two rounds, I had Al Capone eating out of my hand. <laughs> Because my character was designed for this sort of thing. Oh, I, you know. But I, but I decided not to steal that guy's spotlight. Unfortunately, his character wasn't designed. Did the guy know that the character was not meant to be the the schmoozer? Yes, he did. You know, it's very obvious in your on your character sheets that this is using fate. So it's very obvious how your character is designed. My character actually was lousy at combat. He was this really good at schmoozing people. Well, was the guy familiar with the system? See, he may not have realized that his character wasn't necessarily... That's a good point. I don't know. This is a convention, so I, it, it was... You, you, part of the thing was you had to be familiar with fate to, to play in the game. So he, I, I, I would hope he was familiar with fate and understand how things worked. He was actually kind of happy that, I, that he had a chance, and he really yeah. tried. The purpose was, was, was for my character basically to succeed and get the information we needed. Convention gaming, which is, is different than your regular gaming. I think this especially plays true in convention gaming. Um, you should do whatever it is in your power to do whatever it is they want to do. Because in a convention game, that's what people come to do. They come to do those kind of crazy things. And you're never going to get them to understand the possibilities of your game unless you let them get as wild and crazy as they can. Because most people who play in convention games and games they're not familiar with are already conservative. They're afraid of making mistakes. They're afraid of wasting their time. So you're usually trying to pry them out of their shell anyways. I ran a hinterland, hardware hinterland adventure where I basically let them pick wherever they wanted to go. And I just took it from there and, and ran with it. I was letting them lead me through the hinterlands, and I was basically running characters on the fly at that point for them, you know, and giving them giving encounters and adventures at that at that point. They really enjoyed it. They still completed their mission, but they were able to do a, a cook's tour of at least about four or five different environments in the space of four hours, which is kind of amazing. You know, Blix, when you ran your Savage Worlds adventure that I got to sit in on, I really thought that you were being very supportive. and Because I was trying all kinds of crazy things, I thought, that I had no idea whether they were going to work or not. And you just kept backing me up 
And I thought that was really, really helpful. It really made the game so much more fun than to always finding myself running into roadblocks. Uh, when I run stuff at conventions, I try to make sure that I leave a lot of decision to the players. My formula for running an event at a convention is, A, there has to be a lot of action. That's what most of the players come there to do. They come to have action. But secondly, there has to be something for the players who come there for something more. Like you were saying, Bruce, you weren't just going for the action. You were actually trying to think of things and think of ways to get around. And it was really cool because that adventure has worked out so well because it's very common for people to try and do different things. I could literally sit down and write up uh, the reaction to that adventure and from the different groups that have run on it, and they're all different. Every one of them is different. That's always great when you have an adventure where people have gone lots of different directions. That means either the system or more likely the scenario in the GM are allowing people to be creative. Right. You, have to, you just have to admit, Savage Worlds makes that easy. Oh, lots of game systems make that easy. Fate makes that easy. and I know, but Savage Worlds in particular is one of the game systems that is, just really revolves around that. Fourth edition D&D, not so much. If you don't have a power card for that, you can't do it. It depends on your system. Some systems will let you do crazy things sometimes. I think one of the things is, is systems that let your character try. Right. And when they don't have the skill or, or the ability, they can still try to do something. Yeah, there, there are certain systems that, uh, like D20, I mean, you can do a, a skill that's untrained. A uh, system like Palladium, if you don't have the skill, there's no system for saying, okay, we'll try to, try to roll like half the percentage or whatever. I mm. noticed that, that there, there are just certain systems that don't allow you to do skills that might be an everyman's skill, but unless you have it there on the paper, nope, oh well. In Wushu, you're considered to have two points in every skill. Every skill. And you don't bother writing them down because every skill's you got a level two in it. It's the ones you have a higher level you, you worry about and write down. And so, those are the ones that matter. If uh, one of the other characters gets shot in the head, can I perform brain surgery on them? Yeah. Okay. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I think that makes for a very cinematic type game where you're just trying to do it and, oh my gosh, he needs to get the bullet out and you're lucky, you know. You describe your actions you describe trying to do brain surgery in person, even though you don't have the skill. And then you have to roll a number of dice, probably six, and get a certain number of successes, which is two or less, to mm -hmm. succeed. So the GM would say, oh, I'll let you do that, but you have to get at least four successes. And you got six dice. And you got to roll two or less. And he sits back and watches and <laughs> see how well you roll. <laughs> Well, I, I think that's great, John, because you know here we have a guy who normally wouldn't ever engage in brain surgery. You've yeah. got a character who's probably going to die anyways because he's got a bullet in his brain. Yeah. Well, well, why not make the roll? I mean, as you yeah. say, maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe the bullet bounced around and ended up right next to the opening again, and you, all you have to do is reach it and pluck it out, which is what how, how I would describe it if I had a totally un, a relatively unskilled person trying to do brain surgery without a brain sur a surgery skill. And for all you know, the guy may roll two ones and three twos on his six dice, and hey, you got one more success than you needed. So yeah, you succeed and. And you, and you fixed the guy. Uh, it's great when a game system will allow you to attempt to do something that you wouldn't normally. 
I, I don't know of any game system that doesn't let you try. And I think that's great. And I think that everybody should be given an opportunity to try, especially when there is no real consequence like somebody else's character dying. In Wushu, your character can only die when you face the nemesis. There's only chance your character of dying. Maybe out next round, no matter what happens, he's back. It's uber cinematic then, really. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fine, John. But I was thinking more along the lines of the movie uh, six, seven nights, six days, whatever it was with Harrison uh, Ford in it. He has a plane. He lands it on an island under bad circumstances. He breaks his landing gear. All right. At some point in the movie, he using bamboo, he constructs a new landing gear. Not much of a landing gear. It's really more of an outrigger than anything else. But he manages to get it together to the point where by the end of the movie, they actually are able to take off. Looking at that situation from the beginning, most people would say, well, I guess we're going to have to find some other way off the island. But allowing people to say, well, let's try something crazy. Let's actually try to construct something that will allow out of these inferior materials that actually allow this thing to take off. Let them try to figure out a way of doing it and give them a chance mm -hmm. of doing it. I think that's a great idea. That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying say oh, yeah. yes to the players. Oh, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. and the players say yes to each other. Fight of the Phoenix. There, there's a situation where you have two different airplanes, three engines, none of which are working, and you build an airplane out of what you got there and fly out of the situation. That's totally the situation we're talking about there. It's just And there's a guy who is a hobby airplane designer who who's the chief engineer on this project. Mm -hmm. And all the other characters get behind him and say, look, it's crazy notion, but it's the only way we see of getting out of here, so let's go for it. And they do, and yeah. the movie's about them succeeding. That can happen in your game if you'll let it happen, that if it's possible, within the strictures we saw, the problems we talked about, if you can overcome mm -hmm. those, it's, I think it's always a good idea to say yes, because everybody is going to be looking at this situation with new eyes. You're not going to remember your failures. You're always going to remember your successes. And that's going to give you great remembrances of whatever campaign that you're in. Oh, yeah. I always think big. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. And this is Blix. Remember, bullets speak louder than words. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. The Tri-Tech Podcast is protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial distribution or derivatives are allowed. The Tri-Tech Podcast is wholly owned by Tri-Tech Games. Visit us at www.tritechgamers.com or on Facebook.
Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.